Hey everybody, welcome to We Need to Talk About Kevin. Uh, we are back from our brief reprieve in watching something not bad to talk about <laughs> one of Kevin Smith's movies again, Jersey Girl this time. Uh, I'm Ted. I'm Rose. And I'm Trevor Drinkwater. <laughs> uh, and like I said, this week we watched Jersey Girl, mm-hmm. a rom-com sort of starring Ben Affleck, Dan Carlin, and Liv Tyler, who I think... Dan, a- Car- Dan Carlin from Hardcore <laughs> History. Fuck. Oh, fuck me. I was wondering why I recognized that name. Oh. Like, I know that's not the right name, but I do know Dan Carlin. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> no, sorry. Go Keep going. You're doing great. Uh, so in Jersey, the uh, Mongols. This week, we watched Jersey Girl starring George <laughs> Car- God damn it. Folks, we watched 2004's Jersey Girl, directed by, written and directed by Kevin Smith. Friend of the pod, Kevin Smith. <laughs> You know what I was really struck by in Jersey Girl is how uh, mature Kevin has gotten as a filmmaker. It feels like he's really uh, grown up and uh, matured. And uh, I think this was a big uh, step up. Uh, you know, he, re- he really he really got out of his co- he really got out of his comfort zone with this one. Really tried to step into a whole new milieu and and do something different. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> I liked it a little bit more than that Trevor's implying, but it's fuck it's fucking terrible, dude. It sucks so much. Jersey Girl is so fucking bad. (laughs) This is a new direction for Kevin in that if it didn't open with an absolutely terrifying 3D rendered Jay and Silent Bob, Mm -hmm. you wouldn't know it was really Kevin Smith. Not necessarily in a good Uh, way, but I disagree with that slightly. I mean, I, I I think it's, yeah, like, it, it could be easier to pass off as not a Kevin Smith movie if you, you know, were trying to fool somebody, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, it's still a Kevin Smith movie at its core, but not as much. It's Kevin Smith doing his very best to uh, imitate a sort of typical mid-2000s rom-com. Uh, and it has, on the surface, it feels very much like it could be one of those, you know, kind of regular run-of-the-mill romantic comedies. It has, like, the look and feel of it. But what makes it recognizable as a Kevin Smith film is the god-awful alien-like dialogue writing when uh, Ben Affleck and Liv Tyler are supposed to be flirting with each other and just <laughs> speaking to each other like no human beings ever have so, before. Okay. And especially, it's and, and then and and also just weirdly inserting. Uh, dick jokes everywhere he possibly can which feels extra weird since this is like a movie about like a little kid and i don't know he even though even though this isn't a an r-rated movie i think his only non-r-rated movie he still like tried to squeeze in his trademark kevin smith raunchy humor as much as he could okay i i do i do agree with a lot of what you're saying yeah, I I will say for me, I thought this was one of the better ones. I, this is one of my favorites oh my too. God. And I think it's important. <laughs> That's crazy, you're crazy. <laughs> and I think it's important that we that that we start at the beginning 
because yes. the twist in this film I did not see coming, and it was a big deal for me watching it. What twist? There's no twist. So, okay, you well, mean it, the fact that his wife dies in the beginning. Well, yeah. <laughs> That's not a twist. If you had read the basic like synopsis of the movie, you would have known that going into it. Trevor, so, that is far too much to ask of me. So I did not do any research. I jumped in. <laughs> well, fresh. I'm just, I'm just saying it's, I'm just saying it's not a twist. It's like it's in the trailer. It's the premise of the movie. It starts with his wife. Being I didn't know. I didn't know the premise. I knew it was called Jersey Girl, and that it was his mature movie. Um, so I start watching this Whoa. movie and I'm like, wait, what the hell? Jennifer, uh, Jennifer Lopez is in a Kevin Smith film. <laughs> what the fuck is this? And when she gives birth and they start going like, oh, wait, wake up, wake up. Oh no. Like we've got a situation oh or whatever. <laughs> when that started happening, which is the, the big emotional moment, I laughed harder than i have at like any of the past three or four movies we've watched i lost my fucking mind i was laughing so hard the way she died and and you two are saying this is good yes i i i it's not a good movie but i enjoyed it more than honestly i think more than any of the movies we've watched no i think i enjoyed it insane Not that's you're out of your mind. (laughs) And I I think this is partially influenced by, again, our our brief reprieve uh, from Kevin. Last week we did the animated series, which is not really. You do this. You do this with every single one. Every single (laughs) one. You try to claim that it was actually good. You know that none of these movies are good. (laughs) I'm not claiming that it's good. I know it's not good. But this was enjoyable for me to watch. I thought it was pretty, like, just inoffensive for the most part. It was yeah. it was all right. It was a very, like, it was a, a two and a half stars out of five kind of movie. Just, like, breezed yeah. by watching it. It wasn't a big deal. I have some issues with it, but, like, I, overall, I was like, yeah, that was fine. <laughs> I don't think it's fair to call it inoffensive. It's offensive to me, and here's why. <laughs> uh, you know... The the previous five movies we talked about, obviously, I hate them. I think they're trash. Uh, I think he has no talent as a filmmaker. But this was the movie where Kevin completely abandoned the idea of having any kind of signature style or any sort of original voice uh, whatsoever and allowed himself to be completely like subsumed uh, by this kind of... Uh, boilerplate sensibility which like i guess on some technical level you could consider it not as bad as something like mall rats but it's like i mean it's like ted said at the beginning it's not like we're even watching kevin a kevin smith movie anymore it's kevin smith creating this like (laughs) hollow imitation of a sort of regular uh pg-13 forgettable movie that you know no one would that we wouldn't ever be talking about this movie if it wasn't Kevin Smith. No one would remember this. It's just, it's just nothing. So I, yeah. I think that that's true. I, I mean, I really, I, I can't disagree. 
But I, I think what I like. But uh, there's is... also nothing. There's also nothing good about it. I could but... watch like another <laughs> fucking something like I don't know, Made in Manhattan, some other bullshit like romantic <laughs> comedy from around the same time period, and there'd probably be like a couple of laughs or like some kind of charm, some kind of romantic spark to it, something I could cling to. There's nothing in this movie. The jokes aren't good. The romance is laughably unconvincing. Well, hang the on. Acting is dog shit across the board. There's just it's just a failure of a movie it's creatively <laughs> bankrupt i think that it's it's not it, it's set up as a rom-com but it's really about him and his daughter which is a little i don't know oh, i don't know God. what the word to call that is but but i think that it's a, it's a the daughter the word is corny it's corny yeah but there's nothing wrong with that and the daughter i think so in this movie to explain ben affleck's wife dies in childbirth she has the kid and the dad is like a cool, hotshot New York City working guy. He's a music publicist. Um, and he like doesn't take care of her for a while and then eventually learns that he has to. Like his dad, who's played by George Carlin, is taking care of her. Um, and and so the movie is really about him and his daughter. There is a love interest in it, but it's like a, it's like a B plot. Like when you're watching The Simpsons and there's like something else going on. Like it's not really the crux of the story. And I think the the little girl, she's seven years old in the movie. I don't know how old she is in like real life. She does a pretty convincing job. Yeah, I think she, she's for a child good. actress. And uh, she's made. She's like the highlight of the movie. Honestly, she is. And this is a movie with George Carlin, Stephen Root, uh, the guy that's always with Stephen Root that I don't know his name, and Ben Affleck, uh, Liv Tyler. I fucking despised in this movie. She was not good. All wasted. I, I will a complete say waste I of Stephen Root, which is yeah, but he's gonna be disgraceful to me to waste Stephen Root on a part like that. I I do agree with you there because Stephen Root is a fucking treasure. I was uh I was very entertained by the corniness of it at times, especially at the beginning. Me too. Um, even if it probably wasn't intentional, but I found it funny how over the top Ben Affleck's character was of being like the, uh, the cool businessman. And after he has a kid, like he's, uh, <laughs> the kid is crying and George Carlin comes up to him and he's like, ah, what, what, what are you, what are you doing? Your, your kid's crying upstairs. You're not going to go take care of him. And then uh, Ben Affleck's like, Hey, look! I'm I'm making deals. I'm on the phone over here. I I I got business to attend to. <laughs> this what, uh, and I found what, it all very amusing. <laughs> what you're doing here, this impression of the movie, is so much more entertaining. Like you're 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 injecting you're injecting this spark in life into it that is so not there in the actual movie. Oh, it's so much it's so much more dull than like your your imitation of it. And the best part about that scene is the the button that they put at the end of it which I I just like oh it's one of those moments one of those screenwriting moments where I can imagine like Kevin leaning back and going, "Yeah, that's it." When uh, they're talking about how uh, Ben Affleck's mom, be George Carlin's uh, wife is dead and uh and uh, George Carlin goes, yeah, she's dead. And then he presses his finger on the phone, hanging it up in the middle of Ben Affleck's call. And then he's like, but that kid's alive right now. 
<laughs> yeah, awful. So, so I found it very painful, painful, <clears throat> painfully forced. The other part in that first section, which absolutely baffled me, and I had to text our group chat about, was that it's apparently supposed to be like a period piece at the beginning, <laughs> because yeah, Ben yeah. Affleck doesn't know who Will Smith is, which yes, is so I, bizarre. It's such a I, weird I, choice. I have to address this. Uh, yeah. yeah. So it, we we open w- in the present day with uh the with young Gertie talking to her class is like a framing the framing device for the movie is that Gertie is talking to her class about her dad which we never come back to that by the way like not even at the end it's like we don't come back and it's it's just it's just a completely pointless way of setting up the story rather than just starting at the beginning uh so, so she's t- so sh- it's the present day so we're seeing 7 years ago in the past which we understand was like 1996 because uh, because Ben Affleck's coworker mentions that Independence Day had just come out. Yeah, and yeah, and so it's supposed to be funny that he doesn't know who Will Smith is, but he, he's like, Will Smith, who's that? He's like, you know, the Fresh Prince. It's like, oh, the guy from that Fresh Prince show. He'll never be a movie star. Like, there's this running gag of him being so dismissive of the idea of Will Smith being a movie star. But Will fucking Bad Boys had already come out the year before. <laughs> yeah. He was a huge. The the Fresh Prince of Bel Air was a huge show. Will Smith was huge. He was a, a huge massive fucking star. star. We yeah. Nobody that knew who he was. He was ben like Affleck's... the biggest star in the fucking world. We should say that Ben Affleck's character's job is being a music publicist. Yes. So it is, he's, and he's, he's, <laughs> he's very good at it in the movies, you know. Yeah. So with obviously us. he and would know about Will Smith. It is his job to know about Will Smith. Yeah, but it, no, but he's intimately familiar with the music catalog of The Fresh Prince and DJ Jazzy Jeff. He, but he doesn't know that his name is Will Smith and that he has a burgeoning movie career at the time. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and I kept on thinking about um, uh, Uncut Gems while watching that first section and like how well Uncut Gems sets up 2012. Like the, the recent past, it does it so quickly and so effectively. It feels like so natural. Whereas this one, like... There is nothing to indicate that it is 1996 besides the fact that he says Independence Day is coming out next year. Like, that's the only thing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they, they like, set it up. And him and Ben Affleck being this PR guy seems to just be an excuse for Kevin Smith to throw in a few pop culture jokes. Mm-hmm. We get a little bit about <laughs> Madonna being slutty and George Michael being gay. Um, I thought that was funny. I thought that was funny. <laughs> Jesus Christ, you people are easy to please. <laughs> I thought it was funny. I I, I wrote the line down because I thought it was funny here. There we go. George Michael is a pimp who is all about the ladies. <laughs> That's funny to me. God, this movie is so lame. Um. Uh, yeah, no, but you're right. Like, rather than trying to do this whole uh, intro with the classroom and everything, they could have just opened at the beginning and they could have given us a caption that said 1996 or whatever and th- that's all you need it's sim- it's simple <laughs> uh also and so in that first section which was most of my favorite stuff in the movie was that first section where ben affleck is the, is the famous music producer because 
I just found him in that role so, I think, unintentionally funny, uh, the way he was playing it. Uh, There's a great scene where uh, George Carlin uh, refuses to take care of the baby for the day. And Ben Affleck's like, well, you're you're leaving me with this baby? Um, And then (laughs) he's screaming at him. Uh, and then it's like, oh, geez, Ben Affleck is going to have to take the baby to work. And he's a, a dumb dad and he doesn't know how to take care of a baby. Uh, so he brings it with him to a, a, a Will Smith event of some sort and brings it backstage. And we get the classic scene that every film like this needs to have, which is the classic dad doesn't know how to change a diaper. And in this one, we get like, we get everything. We get the poop joke. We get the the baby powder going everywhere. We get multiple shots of a baby's genitals, which I found strange. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, covered in shit. The, this, yeah, this movie did not need to show us the baby's vagina so much. Yeah, I was like, like I was, feel a little weird about this. That was <laughs> weird. I didn't know they did that. Yeah. I, they usually don't. You don't usually see that in a movie. It's bizarre. Yeah. And then they're and then they're they're talking about uh, they're awkwardly talking they're, about they're like talking about her not, vagina. Her, they call it crevice. They're crevice, like, oh, you're getting the poop in her yeah. crevice. They've yeah. Got a, uh, <laughs> this is another one that I I think I feel like is a classic where there's a guy that's just there. I think he was like a delivery person, and he yeah. knows what he's doing. And then they're like, get the fuck out of here. That was pretty good. And then they're like, hey, get that guy knew something about babies. Get, get him back. Because I'm, yeah. I'm Ben Affleck. I'm a dumb dad. I don't know about babies. Ben Affleck seems to, like, viscerally hate his child <laughs> during the first yeah, session. He yeah. fucking hates that baby. He hates this baby. George Carlin is taking care of the baby all the time. And I know there's supposed to be, like, a tension. Like, he resents the kid or something. But it's so past that. It is really like he actively hates the child. It's like when you're a little kid and you hate your brother and sister. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. that's what I'm getting from it, which is extremely funny <laughs> to me. The whole, the whole beginning section, the, like, prologue of the movie is narratively completely useless. They could have cut yeah. all of that out. But that's my yeah. favorite stuff. That's the funniest stuff in the movie. I love that. <laughs> i want a whole movie of ben affleck i wanted that to be the whole movie i want oh, the yeah. whole movie no, sure. to be ben affleck as this uh high rolling music producer being like oh what, what what do you mean i gotta take care of a baby i got will smith coming here in, in 15 minutes oh my god i don't know how to change a diaper <laughs> like that's what i wanted for 90 minutes can we have that movie, but you play the part instead? Because you're doing a mu- you're <laughs> of, making of the it baby so ben? you're ma- of be- you're making it so much funnier than Ben Affleck did. In the Look, movie. I can't take care of this baby. I gotta go meet with the- <laughs> I gotta go meet with the DJ Jazzy Jeff. <laughs> so, if, so- if, I feel like people listening to this are getting the wrong idea because you're you're making it much more entertaining <laughs> than it really is. So, at the end of that scene, uh, right, Ben Affleck is supposed yeah. to give like a publicist speech i don't fucking know what publicists do but he's supposed to go out and talk to the press about will smith it's a publicity event for will smith and will smith didn't make it so he's supposed to go and like smooth it over with the crowd he does a bad job he goes over and he freaks out he's like will smith 
fucking sucks and a bunch of other shit about him not having a movie career. <laughs> Which was so weird. So, I didn't get what he, was going he, on. So he works for the company that represents Will Smith. He works at Will Smith's PR firm or whatever, doesn't really know who he is, doesn't understand that he's like on track to becoming like the biggest movie star in the world. And then he just trashes him in front of this whole crowd of reporters. So weird. Yeah. What a, what a, I think, accidentally vile character. Just bad at everything. Yeah. Hates his kid. Um, he's such an, an absolute asshole. bastard. He's, he's an asshole. And, and like every character in a Kevin Smith movie, he's a fucking idiot. Nothing he does makes any sense. Anyways, yeah. So he, he screws up at the event. He says yeah he like insults will smith or something and it insults journalists i don't really know what happened and then he loses his high rolling job and uh nobody wants him anymore and then i guess this confused me so much so i guess after that he's jobless um and doesn't seem to struggle that hard from what we see. Can you guys enlighten me a little so, bit as so to what was going on? His dad gets him a job working for the city with him in yeah. Jersey. Yeah. So he's doing road work and so shit. So he has to Is move back to Jersey. I do remember he moves back to Jersey. I, I, I remember don't, he gets the I don't, job, but does that happen I don't know like if it's immediately? Well, we don't know because we jump forward seven years after that. Right, yeah. That's when the time jump happens. So I, I honestly think that this is pretty realistic. What's realistic? I, I think that if your dad has worked as a street cleaner for like forever and probably presumably owns the house that he lives in, like doesn't have to pay mortgage, like I think it wouldn't be that hard for him to get like. Yeah, no, that's fine. That I think that, I think that, that all did actually make sense. And I, I did enjoy that like. Seeing Ben wow. Affleck had to Congratulations, struggle. Kevin. You managed to create some internal <laughs> logic I, I, honestly, for one little piece honestly. of your movie. You did it, man. <laughs> he That's did it. Not... I'm proud of him. I, I, yeah, sir. That makes perfect sense. His dad got him the job. Whatever. I just found there was like, maybe it was because right before I watched this movie, I was talking to Ted about how... Um, how uh i'm dealing i'm dealing with like financial struggles right now with student loan and stuff and i was like watching kevin smith movies is just reminding me of how much easier it used to be to get a good job <laughs> and then watching this movie <clears throat> he loses this huge like super high paying gig like six figure gig or whatever and even though he moves to jersey or whatever i never really felt that he was struggling that much economically like money didn't seem to actually be a big deal to him yeah. uh and when he like no in spoiler alerts when he does get like <laughs> the possibility of returning to that life at the end the big life change seems to be that he would just move to new york it doesn't seem to be about like how much they could afford or like uh you, you know that they could save up for college or anything like that like there's a real absence of the reality of financial struggle in this film which was noticeable to me well yeah well that's i mean like in any kevin smith movie and also in just 99 percent of movies in general yeah uh you don't really <laughs> the the realities of of economics rarely come into play. So yeah, yeah, I don't know. I didn't even bother thinking about that aspect. Oh, it was on my mind. You compare it to um, 
uh, I think this would be around the same era or maybe in a little bit earlier, <clears throat> like a show like Malcolm in the Middle and like how big of a deal money is in that show and how big the reality of being a, a part of the working classes in that show. And mm -hmm. in this, it's just completely absent. Like the only thing that changes is where they live. Well, there is a, a, a one little piece of it. So while Ben Affleck is working for like the street sweeper maintenance thing, uh, it's with his dad and his dad's two friends played by Steven Root and that other guy. Um, <laughs> and there's there's a part where they're like, dang, we're going to have to shut down this street. Oh, everybody's going to be mad at us. So they go to a city hall meeting about shutting down the street, which I don't know anything about this kind of stuff, but I don't think that's how it works. I don't think if you're no. a maintenance worker, you have to no. be like, all right, get the whole town together. We got to tell everybody we got to shut down the street. But so they do that. Everybody's pissed. They're not having it. Ben Affleck, this is his time to shine, right? He used to be, I think they specifically call him a bullshit artist. Um, <laughs> Is like, oh, damn, he can do it. So he gets up there and he starts talking and then the audio cuts out. And, and we don't music. And, and we don't hear any of it. <laughs> you don't. Fucking yeah, hear this it. is this is the most creatively bankrupt moment of the movie for me, because the whole scene hinges on the idea that, you know, Ben Affleck is such a slick operator. He knows how to control a room. <laughs> he can have all those people eating out of the palm of his hand. He's just going to go up there and he's going to say the perfect thing. But Kevin Smith is too stupid and too shitty at writing to actually like come up with the convincing yeah. speech he's supposed to be giving. So they just cut the sound out and we go to like a m musical montage of him talking. Yeah, that was so weird. <laughs> and and so you're right. It's such a, uh, it felt like such a key moment for establishing why Ben Affleck deserves the job that he used to have, like why we should yeah. want to see him redeemed. Like if he gave a rousing speech, then that would provide some kind of, uh, uh, it would provide a characterization for us to hold on to where we're like, oh, he actually is very talented. He actually could mm -hmm. succeed if he was given the opportunity, but he's not getting the opportunity because he's messed up once. So it provides this very clear narrative path forward where he just needs this one chance and he can do it but we don't get it. So there's never a moment in the film where we actually see that Ben Affleck deserves to have that job. Like he has only shown himself to be bad at it, to like not know his industry, yeah. to be not good under pressure. We never, we never get that moment. And not only that, but that it's, also it's provides a like a, a path for him. So the, the, the big like dramatic turn of the movie is he gets an opportunity to return to New York in a similar job to what he has, but the mm -hmm. daughter doesn't want him to do it basically. And it would give him that opportunity of like, Oh, I can still do this thing that presumably I'm good at. And presumably he's passionate for, which is like mm -hmm. explaining to a room of people something. I don't know. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and it shows that he can do that in a different position but then that is That's totally true, dropped yeah. also. Like, there's several points you it's, could take from there. It just does not. So weird. It's such a basic writing thing. Also, being a publicist is such a trivial, stupid profession. <laughs> like, yeah. it's like, like, we're supposed to think that he has some kind of inherent, like, knack for it. Like, oh, he's got these amazing skills that make him the best publicist. And he just screwed up this one time. But if he could get back in the game, he'd be the best PR flack in the business. But it's like... 
who gives a shit about publicity? What a stupid profession that no one cares, that nobody takes seriously. Well, I mean, I assumed that the film was going to lead him into something that was a little bit more heartfelt and a little bit more noble. Like maybe it turns out the reason that he's a, a publicist is that he loves uh, he loves music or he loves writing or something like go in that kind of direction. And it doesn't really. <laughs> there's a there's just a big absence of, of narrative push. But before we move on, I need to bring up because this is one of the like super cheesy moments that stuck out to me and I laughed at was um, so in the scene where. Uh, city slicker Ben Affleck is talking to his uh, fellow construction dudes. Uh, they're debating whether or not to close down the street. And then Ben Affleck is like, oh, how, how many people use that street? Like, uh, you know, there's like three three cars down there right now. I don't think anyone's going to be upset. And then smash cut <laughs> to the angry meeting. And then George Carlin turns to him and he goes, you were saying... <laughs> 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 Which like, does not make sense at all. Like, oh, Outside of the logic of a, of like a writing a script that makes no sense. It is so <laughs> cheesy. I couldn't believe. I was kind of surprised he did something like that. <laughs> I laughed because I couldn't believe it was in there. It's also not the city worker's job to make the case to uh, the townspeople about the yeah, road being too. closed down. Like they're just the guys that need to do the work, and then like <laughs> the city council people or whoever are the ones that have to get yelled at about it. Like they don't even need to be there. It doesn't concern them. Like why didn't? <laughs> Sorry, I'm still stuck on this. But like, why didn't Ben Affleck end up? Like, why didn't these two worlds fuse in the end? Like, why didn't Ben Affleck end up being some kind of representative for the union or something? Like, like combine yeah, those yeah. two narrative threads. It just feels so obvious. That's the extra step that the movie doesn't quite take because <laughs> it's like a fucking 75-minute movie and there's, like, nothing to it. I did like how short it was. That was good. Yeah, me too. I was I, when I saw the like timer on it, I was like, "Oh, thank fucking god!" I I would have cut another twenty minutes or so, but yeah. Honestly, so I, I think that leads us into the next part. Uh, mm -hmm. This is technically a rom com. Liv Tyler plays the romantic interest. Yeah. No chemistry. She talks in a weird voice. I don't know if that's just how she talks or not, but if it is... I don't think so. Figure out a new way to talk. Here, Here is where I, I do agree with Trev, because yeah. I did find... Uh, this is where I was reminded that we were in a Kevin Smith film, because the way he writes women yep. is so specific, and I don't think I really got it until this film, because it stood out so much. And I can't totally, like... I can't totally encapsulate exactly what it is, but it's this weird combination where women are both um, very smart and capable and complete airheads. And they're also um, very sweet and bubbly and innocent, but they are also like sexual deviants. Hypersexual. <laughs> Hypersexual. Uh, and that's very much what Liv Tyler is. Very similar to Chasing Amy. We meet Liv Tyler in a video store where she mm -hmm. works. And uh, the video, it's the type of, it's a regular video store, but it also has porno in it behind like a beaded curtain. 
and Ben Affleck <laughs> is at the video store with his daughter and he like in a very broad comic moment he tries to <laughs> surreptitiously grab a porno movie from behind the beaded curtain and and then they have this really awkward bad exchange at the counter about the porno movie he grabbed which turns out to be like a guy it's called like bye bye guys it's like see, like supposed to be some kind of gay porno that he grabbed i think uh, i didn't i didn't um, pick that up and he's but like and he's all yeah. he's all like oh uh no uh that's not what i'm into uh blah and she's like giving him a hard time about it in fr- and then making fun of him in front of his daughter for like the him trying to rent a porno <laughs> <laughs> and then and then she's so charmed by that uh, uncomfortable porno exchange that she goes and tracks him down back to his house to find him and ask him out on a date. Someone so, please explain that of, to me. Right? Someone explain so, that to okay. me. <laughs> so her deal is that she's doing, and part of the reason you have to assume she works at the video store, is she's doing a paper on men's like sexual appetites or something and that involves asking them questions about the porno they just bought which is that something that, that would seems, get you fired. that seems that seems made up it seems like she's just lying about that like well, it doesn't <laughs> I, I don't think it's clear honestly so later on he does eventually it's not, it's not very well established no it's not I later thought on she was like a journalist or something i was very confused by it for some reason, we're led to believe, Ben Affleck is led to believe she needs to know about his sex life in a yeah. clinical sense rather than in a, like, want to fuck sense. Um, so she follows him to his fucking so dad's weird. house. After That's, what I needed, <laughs> That's what I needed explained was how, how did she find him? So I think she just... She must have followed, followed him home. Him. I think she was like, hey, can you cover this shift? I need to go sexually harass this guy, which... You know, back in 1996, that kind of stuff was just okay to do. <laughs> I figured um, there was something I missed. Like, Ben Affleck has an account with them with a home address or something. Like, some oh, detail like that. And I... That makes sense, actually. Like, maybe something like that. But I was so confused because she just shows up. Yeah. And Ben Affleck doesn't act that weirded out by it. So, like, it is a small town, I'm led to believe. So, maybe. But... He, he like is kind of like gives her a hard time about it like she's obviously into him and she's like asking him out but he's just yeah. all like skeptical about it he's like uh-huh okay whatever you strange lady like just has a really weird attitude about yeah. it yeah instead of being like what the fuck are you doing at my house you followed <laughs> me and my daughter home to ask me about my porno <laughs> also this is the second time kevin has written a female character who was writing a scholarly report about men's sexual habits oh you're so right yeah that leads me to believe this is that's just what he thinks that smart women do women like, do be doing kevin's that. like okay let me i need to imagine an intelligent woman so she goes to college and she writes a paper, but of course, the topic she's interested in is men's sexuality. That's what that's what women do, dude. I women agree. do be writing papers about men's sexuality. <laughs> women do be writing papers. <laughs> it, it allows Kevin to write like a whole uh, flirty scene where they're just talking about masturbating. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, I guess I masturbate twice a week. She's like, oh, I masturbate twice a day. And he's like, what? That's so much masturbation. And how she's do you like, have the time? How long since you've how, how long since you've had sex? And he's like, oh, seven years. She's like, okay, we're gonna leave and we're gonna go have sex right now. And he's like, what? <laughs> At your dad's That's crazy. House. <laughs> so weird. Oh my god. So so that actually, uh, they go home. There's the typical like they're stripping each other off, 
tripping up the stairs or whatever. And then his daughter gets home. It's so fucking corny. And they're having that type of like movie hookup, which I've, I see in a lot of movies, I think especially in this era, which just looks so unsexy. It doesn't look like Ugh. either of them are enjoying it. They're just going so fast through it all. Like like fr- frantic, just knocking stuff over. Yeah. They make knocking Liv stuff Tyler off a table. Breaking lamps and shit. But so anyway, then his daughter comes home and catches them basically, which is a, yeah. a little funny bit of like, I don't know what you would call it, but earlier he saw his daughter like, looking at a boy's dick or something like like a, oh uh, god i forgot like i show yeah, you yours you show that. me mine type of thing and then playing so there, doctor there's yeah. some fun like narrative i guess like mirroring where after that he sits him down and Ugh. like talks to him and then <laughs> i trevor hates this but i kind of thought it was funny even though it's incredibly cliched then the daughter sits down ben affleck and Liv tyler and has the same conversation with them and it was pretty good I didn't hate it. There's also the fact that that they they attempt to hide from his daughter in the stupidest possible <laughs> way. They get into the shower with their clothes on and turn it on yeah. so he can pretend he's taking a shower. I think why not just lock the door? Yeah, lock the door and just put your shirt back on and act like a normal person. Like it's fine, <laughs> relax. They ha- they hadn't even like gotten undressed. She just had like her shirt off and that was it. <laughs> there was they're they're not really in that compromising of a situation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and uh of course that scene is also important because uh the daughter uses this moment as leverage uh cuz she promises to keep it secret. Why? From Why? From George- <laughs> Why does <laughs> That's a- trying to get into he's he's so embarrassed about the idea of having sex with a woman. <laughs> Yeah, that's another element that really doesn't make sense to me is like, why would Ben Affleck be uh, so ashamed of his dad finding out that he like found a woman that he's like hooking up with a woman in his house? It's not even that, though, because his dad knows about it immediately, because in like the very next scene, he's with his dad. He in the next scene he's with his dad and there's his blue collar buddies and they're all giving him a hard time about it like oh this guy was trying to have sex with a woman oh, oh <laughs> yeah crazy and, guy. Uh, like, and his daughter brings it up <laughs> later to George Carlin too and it doesn't seem like a big deal so I'm like so what is the what is what is this? What is the why, dramatic tension? Why here? is this something that she you you know when you're just hanging out with your blue collar buddies and you're giving each other a hard time about like the fact that you. <laughs> are attracted to women <laughs> very bizarre and th- that leads us into an element which i did not expect and i had difficult emotions about which is um the musical sweeney todd i did not <laughs> know this was coming i uh this film brings up both uh cats which of course i love and sweeney todd <laughs> sweeney todd which is one of my favorite musicals i used to be obsessed with sweeney todd i did not know sweeney todd was going to be a big part of this uh, and even when they bring it up, I thought it was going to be a one-off joke. He takes her, he takes his daughter to see Sweeney Todd. Um, and there's jokes about like how Ben Affleck hates musicals and just like typical dude stuff. And he takes her and of course Sweeney Todd is a very violent musical. So that's like the big, oop, oh, I didn't know I was getting into this. And uh, I thought that was it. 
I was surprised that they actually showed like a big production of Sweeney Todd. I feel like they must have gone to Broadway or something and actually filmed it. But then yeah. a, a lot of the rest of the film is occupied by a song from Sweeney Todd. We, we get to see them practicing it in their living room. And then the finale of the film is the full song god that's good which is like five minutes long or something and they do the whole thing so i was um i yeah. i was put off by it because i didn't like seeing one of my favorite musicals done like this but then i was also kind of entertained because i do really love that musical Liv tyler was more convincing doing that little sweeney todd part within the movie than yeah. she was like playing her actual character so <laughs> part of Liv tyler's thing is that they end up not having sex and not even really being in a romantic relationship she just like hangs out with the family now and so of course she's in the yeah, production with the daughter yeah it feels very much like a successor to chasing amy in that regard that very there's this much. weird like confusing like romantic relationship that doesn't make any sense this necessitates Liv tyler having to interact with the daughter the poor daughter really does a good great job the little girl mm -hmm. Liv tyler just cannot interact with this little girl to save her fucking life <laughs> it was so painful to watch those now i can't tell if Liv tyler is a good actress or not because i did feel watching it it was kind of like when i was watching jason lee in mall rats i felt like i was watching someone struggle because uh, Liv Tyler's character in this feels yeah. very much like a copy of um, Alyssa from Chasing Amy like even the even yeah. the voice that she's doing feels like Kevin's trying to imitate the naturally very high voice of th that previous actress and when she does the uh, when she does the Sweeney Todd number she does actually come alive in a way which is inappropriate yeah, for, the, yeah. for the film because she shouldn't be that good but to me right. it felt like Oh, well, she now she has a character that she actually understands because it's from an established musical. So she does like a very good performance with it, like a performance that's too good for what her character is supposed yeah, it's, to be. It's, it's bizarre, yeah, because she's not supposed to be a professional actor in the movie. Yeah. And she, it, doesn't, it doesn't make sense how good she is. Yeah. And then the rest of the film, she's so awkward. Really bad. Yeah, she sucks in the movie. I will place the blame on Kevin Smith. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I don't know if Liv Tyler's like a great actor. I think she's fine. Uh, but like it's I like with all the performances in this movie, I think it's mostly Kevin Smith's fault that they're so bad. <laughs> I yeah. think Ben Affleck is also pretty bad in this movie. Yeah. Uh I, but I found Raquel ben Castro, okay. the young girl, is She's amazing. She, the young girl, she's, she's definitely the breakout star. Uh, she's pretty good. Yeah, uh, yeah. Under the circumstances. Yep. I, I still found Ben Affleck pretty well, good, honestly. I've grown to like Ben Affleck quite a bit. Uh, and I found him very consistent. I, I, I love Ben Affleck, as yeah. you know, but I mm -hmm. don't like seeing the bullshit <laughs> that Kevin Smith makes him do in these awful movies. And in this movie, his role was so corny, but there there was some, I don't know, there was something about him doing this very corny role that I enjoyed. I do also want to say that, that George Carlin does a very good job. Uh, he's been consistently doing yeah, a very good, good job. And I wish he was, I watching him in this movie, I was like, damn, I wish George Carlin was in more better movies because he's actually quite a good actor 
He's a good actor, and and like he he's able to do the comedian thing where he's it's he's basically still doing his bit from his comedy, but it doesn't detract from his character a lot of times. No, and it feels a lot more. Uh, it's it feels a bit more toned down. It feels a bit more natural. Yeah. Like I could actually buy him as that character. It didn't just feel um, like a, a cameo or anything like that. Exactly. Speaking of stars, one thing that I, I wrote down in my notes is in the big like learning moment of the movie, Ben Affleck skips his daughter's. He was supposed to be in the production from Sweeney Todd. He skips it. Oh, yeah. To go to a meeting to get his job, like not the same job, but a similar job back as a publicist. And he's in the waiting room. And yeah. who walks in but Will Smith? so they start talking will smith's like yeah i got three kids uh i thought will smith was pretty good in it uh in fact here in my notes i wrote will smith rules he does then the the scene ended and then i went oh fuck i just realized will smith was the magical negro oh no yeah oh shit you're right you're right god damn it it's it's a it's a bit different than that because it's not will smith like giving him some sage wisdom it's just they're just talking like two dads do and he realizes just by talking about it yeah it is like hooper it's a very dull scene uh it goes on way too long uh they just have this boring conversation about fatherhood but this is supposed to be like a divine confrontation it's like his uh luke skywalker in the cave moment where he finally realizes (laughs) what's really important to him but it's so fucking contrived because this whole manufactured this whole manufactured third act conflict is like so he has an opportunity to go get a publishing a publicist job again and move back to the city and like rather than like rather than the movie taking the time to establish that there's any kind of like moral conflict there we just kind of like take it for granted that this is like a problem like Mm -hmm. because he has this idyllic small town new jersey life and his daughter's mad at him she doesn't want to go back to the city everyone disapproves it's just taken for granted that it would be a bad thing for him to like have his good job and life in the city back and like there there's no room for compromise and also there's the conflict of his interview being at the same time he's supposed to be doing this Sweeney Todd performance with his daughter and like the possibility of rescheduling the interview doesn't cross anybody's mind (laughs) i mean like it's it's an inconvenience but that's something you can do in real life like especially because they established that like he's like in demand like they really want to meet him like Mm -hmm. it's totally possible for him to call his friend and tell them like hey uh, i forgot i have this other obligation can i schedule it for like tomorrow you know (laughs) that's that's not a possibility it's all just set up for this bullshit conflict just for him to realize at the last (laughs) minute after this after this you know deus ex machina moment with will smith himself uh, (laughs) that he realizes (laughs) that like oh i really do care more about my doctor than having a about my daughter than having a cool job uh a couple of things here first i just want to say that even though that scene is very contrived and pretty dull it did make me go like god damn will smith really is a movie star because i just do enjoy watching him on the screen he's so charming and the other thing does not but he does not belong in this movie he's so out (laughs) of place here (laughs) no uh it made me want to go and like watch independence day or something he's so much fun but the other thing before we breeze past it i have to point out 
the most on the nose writing in this entire fucking film when Ben Affleck <laughs> just straight up like yells what his character conflict is at his daughter and they get into an <laughs> argument over New Jersey and uh, and he looks at her and he's like you know I I resent you because my wife died and I had a great life yep. and now you're here <laughs> now my life is a lot worse and I want my old life back I'm the protagonist of the film yep. and this is my arc yep. <laughs> I could, yeah. it's just like straight up he just like says exactly what his character conflict is in the most cruel way towards yeah. his daughter and yeah. then he tells his daughter he hates her yeah. so cruel to his daughter yeah so cruel you and your mom so took my life nose. away that's Awful. what it was yeah you took Horrible. yeah you took you took my life away i want my old life back i'm like jeez and also it's a weird thing to be so clairvoyant about at that moment <laughs> it's also it's like totally within the realm of possibility for him to have the job in manhattan and still like live in new jersey and yeah. have his daughter keep her life there and he just kind of have like a commute like that's a pretty normal thing yeah. that people do you There's... know it's <sighs> The the conflict is just so manufactured. It doesn't yeah. make any sense. Yeah. Uh, there's just so many weirdly basic writing problems in this film. And like, you know, with, with Kevin's other films, they have such a specific style to them. Like you can kind of accept some weird things. But this one is trying so desperately no, to I be can't. a standard uh, by the numbers uh, script that you write yes. after you read like save the cat or like screenwriters uh, dictionary or whatever and there's just so many missed things like that final conflict I mean why not have the conflict be something like you know maybe he gets uh, a job that he's actually very creatively fulfilled by and his daughter likes or whatever but then he gets the opportunity to have this like this seedy job, which is like, uh, which is a bit nastier, a bit less fulfilling, but it's it's got all this money to it. Like the, having the conflict be moving to Manhattan makes zero sense because <laughs> it's 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 New York. Yeah, like, it's they're right beside each other, from what I understand. Like you yeah, can do the comedy. They, they they yeah they could have introduced the idea of there being some moral compromise about taking the job like so it would somehow screw over the working people of the small yeah. town and he realizes that he's on their side or, and then he ends up taking yeah like but there's none of that it's I mean, just we've been talking for a little while now for like over half an hour or whatever and i feel like we've already doctored this script to be so much better than what we just saw. Yeah. Like it's so easy to insert these conflicts into yeah. the film. Like why, why aren't they there? Yeah. Like Kevin Smith wants these, he's reaching so hard for pathos in this movie. He has these big emotional moments that all feel very awkward and fall flat, but he like doesn't, know how to construct like the narrative bones like to make to like hold them together and make them like internally uh, uh consistent yeah it, it's just it, he yeah. just he just wants these big emotional moments but he doesn't like do the work of structuring them together 
And there's there's yeah. another thing that really stood out to me that drives me crazy. And this is such a a Robert McKee like a uh, story structure yeah. thing that, that I feel like he was probably proud of. He, like <laughs> w- at, when Ben Affleck is rushing to get home to get back to the school in time to be in the Sweeney Todd song with his daughter after having his Will Smith moment. Um, so he's driving to the school, but then he re- comes to the closed street that he himself uh, just shut down yeah. a, a few days ago, right? <laughs> and, and he's like, and he's like, "Are you kidding me?" And then he has to get out of the car and run the rest of the way to school. So, a couple problems with this. He knew that that street would be closed. (laughs) He was there. He was the guy that just did the big speech the whole town to convince him to close the road. (laughs) So he could have tried to, like, avoid it. (laughs) But he doesn't. And then he he drives right up to it to the point where it's closed down, which he already knew. And he's like, are you kidding me? What the fuck do you mean? Are you kidding me? Like as if it was as if that wasn't supposed to happen. Like like there's supposed to be it's supposed to be some kind of like ironic moment, like a Cohen Brothers thing where something from earlier in the script yeah. you know cu- but it comes back, but it's like no, it doesn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> and then he has to get out and run the rest of the way all the way across town to the school. There's no other way that he can drive. <laughs> It's yeah, so asinine. I I've, was going I've never, crazy. I've never been to New Jersey, but I assume there is not just one street. <laughs> I think that he could probably like back up yeah. and take another street if he really needed to. Or like, I don't know. There's got to be some other way for you to get there. And he should have already known that that street was closed. He's the one that closed <laughs> it. <laughs> Fuck are you talking about? Um, and this final sequence. Oh my God. Uh, as as we've noted, um, I think more and more as his films progress, Kevin keeps on taking obvious cues from other popular films of the time. Um, yes. I, I haven't looked up what the time frame is uh, for these two films, but I kept on thinking about Little Miss Sunshine uh, watching this movie, especially at the end with the... Uh, with the Sweeney Todd performance, it felt so much like the ending of Little Miss Sunshine, which for people who haven't seen it, Little Miss Sunshine is a wonderful film, which I think Kevin was probably trying to go for something similar. And the big finale of it is this scene where we finally see the main girl do her pageant performance. And it's this super raunchy, almost like striptease show. And everyone is shocked by it. Uh, But then the whole family comes together and does it. And it's like really, really funny and heartwarming. And this one was trying to do basically that again, but with Sweeney Todd and Ben Affleck. But it doesn't really work with God That's Good and Sweeney Todd because for one thing, they do an incredible Broadway-level performance of it. Yeah, they do a really good job. And for another thing, there's only one moment in that whole song that's shocking, and it's at the very end. So it didn't didn't feel like... Like, it felt like the crowd should have been going wild before that point, and then, like, maybe they go, like, oh, oh, my God, or something. But it just kind of... It just kind of lands with a thud. The teacher fainted. She was so shocked <laughs> yeah. by this like little bloody moment that she's like couldn't believe the h- horrifying content of this. Uh, little Miss Sunshine was after this, by the way. Wait, really? I think that was like 
Really? Yeah, I think Little Miss Sunshine was like 2006. This was 2004. Okay, so I have to apologize to Kevin. He was not he was not taking inspiration <laughs> from Little Miss Sunshine. That's just a weird coincidence that both of those films do the same thing. And Little Miss Sunshine does it no, I, way better. I, I think I think that the reference points for this movie were like whatever like middling romantic comedies were popular at the time. I bet Kevin saw Love Actually and was really blown away by that. I bet that went into this a little bit. <laughs> So I, I apologize. I apologize officially to Kevin. He was not trying to do a little bit. You don't need to apologize. I do. I have. He definitely. Integrity. He definitely <laughs> would steal Little Miss Sunshine. He would steal Little Miss Sunshine if he could. I, I assure you. Okay. So should we get everybody's final thoughts on the movie? Wait. What's the ending? So the end is. The it just kind of it just kind of peters yeah, out from there. Yeah, and there's an implied romance between Liv Tyler and Ben Affleck, but it, there, it's nothing concrete, and then it just sort of ends. Yeah, it just kind of peters out. Uh, like I said, mm -hmm. they established this like framing device at the beginning with the the classroom presentation, but that doesn't factor into anything after the first five minutes, and there's just yeah. Oh. <laughs> um. I think a, a noteworthy a noteworthy aspect of this film his, historically is, as we noted, um, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back uh, says so much about America in uh, the immediate <laughs> pre-9-11 world. Well, Jersey Girl is Kevin's post-9-11 film, and it has the historical yes. achievement of being... That's true. That it is the first... And, and remember, there's that time jump from pre- and post-9-11, two different worlds. Uh, that's why Kevin's yeah. so mature now. He's lost his innocence. It is... Jersey Girl is the first... Holy shit, you're right. Jersey Girl is the first major theatrical release to include a joke about the September 11th attacks because <gasps> the wait really yeah because remember uh and I, I was surprised by this joke um when his daughter asks to go see cats <laughs> on broadway ben affleck says um no and she asks why and he says because cats is the second worst thing to ever happen to new york Oh <laughs> shit! I nice. that one totally yeah. that one flew right by me. The <laughs> That's so man. That makes so much sense that that it would be after nine eleven that like Kevin Smith would be like, okay, <laughs> it's time for me to stop screwing around. We, I got to make something doing... serious, emotional. Yeah. I got to deal with tragedy and loss. Like I need to deal yeah. with this. <laughs> I didn't even catch that that was a 9-11 joke because if at the time like it would have been obvious because even a few years after 9-11 it's still like on everyone's minds but, <laughs> yeah i didn't even think about it yeah that that wow maybe that's that's the real emotional crux when he's yelling at his daughter and he's like you know you and <laughs> when he's like you and the terrorists on that fateful day took everything away from me. <laughs> and I just want to go back to my old yeah, life because <laughs> in pre 9-11 New York. Because yeah, 9-11 did happen in between like the time jump in the movie. We start out yeah. in the late 90s. Everything is fine. Everything's going well. And then tragedy strikes. Yeah. And uh, we'll, I, mean, I mean, Ben Affleck just has to put the pieces back together. <laughs> 
Wow. Je- Jennifer That's a good Lopez. Point. Uh... Jennifer Lopez dying is Ben Affleck's 9/11. Yeah. Yep. Rip to JLo. <laughs> Shout out to uh to JLo. Um I was excited to see her in this movie and then she fucking died. <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> maybe for the best. Um but I just watched Hustlers the other day. Yeah. Not the most amazing movie, but JLo, great job. Shout out JLo if you're listening. She's DM me. JLo, if you want to come on the she's podcast. Great in- <laughs> Yeah, she's great in Hustlers, not so much in this movie. Uh, Pretty bad from what little we saw of her. Uh, Real romance, by the way, between Ben Affleck and J-Lo. They were in love at the time. I mean, that makes kind of sense because that did feel a lot more natural than him and Liv Tyler. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> also, weird to have J Lo in it. If not. I mean, I think that's the reason she was in the movie because she was his girlfriend. Right around the same time, they also made the movie Geely together, which <laughs> really? was like a, a, it was like a historically bad movie. Like it was totally <laughs> critically panned. People were calling it the worst movie. Also, like Chasing Amy, it's a movie about Ben Affleck dating a professed lesbian. So interesting. Oh, really? He has a type. Bizarre. Yeah, in Geely, uh, J-Lo is supposed to be a lesbian and Ben Affleck converts her somehow. So that's two movies that Affleck has done where where uh, he's gotten a lesbian to fall in love with him. It's kind of his <laughs> specialty. <laughs> that's his power. All right. Uh, yeah, closing, closing thoughts on Jersey Girl. I would say that uh, I was fine watching it, and if, uh, like, you know, if someone wanted to watch it with me, if my mom wanted to watch it, I would watch it again. That's a good way to put it. If you're going to watch any of these movies, the actual Kevin movies, this would be the one, just because it won't make you as angry, I don't think, as some <laughs> of the others. It's very passable. It feels like a straight-to-Netflix film. Exactly. Disregard all of that. Um <laughs> This movie is complete garbage. Do not watch this with your mother. Don't do that to her. <laughs> Recommend a better movie instead. Almost any other dumb, inoffensive, like romantic comedy would yeah. be better and more entertaining than this, and your mom would like it more. Uh, watch a uh, fucking I don't know. Uh, uh, watch what's Little that? Miss. How to lose a guy in ten days. <laughs> watch Little Miss Sunshine. Yeah, Little Miss Sunshine is a good movie. I really I'm just like about Little talking about romantic comedies. How to lose a guy oh, yeah. in ten days. Scott Matthew McConaughey. Better than this movie. It's not good, but you know, uh, Ghosts of Girlfriends watch Past. Watch that. When Harry Met Sally. Sure. anyway no there's this movie's irredeemable it's no good uh definitely wouldn't watch it again and no don't watch what are you talking about ted you're saying if you had to just watch one kevin smith movie you'd recommend this one well okay so i'm trying to bargain with the people who keep watching these movies because of us and like you do not need to bargain with them that's true. The firm line to not those people with the should be, no, don't watch any of them. The, the firm line should be, uh, check out Clerks. It's pretty good. Uh, Clerks, the animated series, also decent. Yeah. <laughs> um, Jersey Girl's fine. <laughs> Just watch something good instead. Watch Okja. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a good movie. Watch you can watch Okja on Netflix. I hear a Good Time, the Safties Good Time, just showed up <laughs> yeah. on Netflix. So check that out. Watch The Irishman. Uncut gems. I just want to put this out there. Bong Joon Ho, uh, 
the Safdie brothers, you guys are welcome to come on the podcast anytime you want. <laughs> the Safdies um, have. You guys need to man. stop this. I'll get a I'll get a translator for you, Mister Bong. Uh, I'll oh learn to God. speak Korean. Cl- can't be that hard. <laughs> stop this clout chasing shit. You guys sound <laughs> pathetic. Cut it out. This, These two don't speak for me. This, by the way. this clout shit funny to me. It's so it's so not yeah. me. This clout shit. <laughs> All right. Enough of this. Let's move on to Kevin's receipts. Now that Rose and I are buttered up a little bit, we get to hate Kevin again. So I think Trevor, <laughs> you have something for wait, us. Wait, wait one sec. I do want to say that even though I thought this film was passable, it did kind of make me lose hope in Kevin Smith because, like, uh, all of, kind of like what Trevor was saying, all of his films up to this point have had such a specific style. And I was kind of curious to see, like, okay, well, what's he like if he just settles down and just tries to do just a standard uh, studio film, just a standard rom-com, like, uh, you know, without all these different trappings that we've come, uh, all these different trappings of his films that we've gotten really used to. And he couldn't pull it off that well. And I was kind of disappointed with that. And that definitely made me go, like, ugh, jeez. This is such yeah. an easy kind of film to yeah. make, and he didn't really pull it off. It rough. Yeah, almost almost any regular person could do a better job of making <laughs> this movie than Kevin Smith did. <laughs> okay. Uh, normally on Kevin's receipts, uh, we share something, a post or something that was written by him, uh, you know, because we want to take a deeper look inside his brain this one is a little bit different. It might not necessarily expose uh, anything about Kevin or his inner workings, but it might, I don't know, say something about the kinds of people that he surrounds himself with. <laughs> uh, this is, uh, God, um, how do I set this up? So Kevin posted this on Instagram a couple years ago, and um, I get it's an email that he received from Casey Affleck, uh, after Casey Affleck, uh, Ben Affleck's little brother, uh, saw this movie, and he wrote him this email with a very long, very strange review of it, which Kevin Smith was very proud of and wanted to share. So, um, uh, this email goes, I saw Jersey Girl on Wednesday night, and I can't believe you made a whole movie, went through all the trouble and spent all the money just to see if people would be honest with you. It takes a lot of courage to intentionally make something really bad just to make a statement, <laughs> just to say, just to say, hey, here's a dick in your mouth. Still sycophantic. Still think it's genius when it's a peckerhead on your tonsils. It's a, it's a great new twist on the old emperor's new clothes tale. As a conceptual art piece, it ranks with Duchamp's urinal. A pisser can be art, and photographer and photographing fools talking foolishness can be a movie. In fact, in that regard, it approaches achievement of Van Sant's Psycho, and since it too, like Psycho, is an idea nobody will have to see to appreciate, the, the investors should lose all of their money, which is one of the best ways to make people pay attention. So bravo, bravo. I'm not going to tell you it was good, but I will say garbled and slightly choked. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Thank you for the chin nuts. I needed them. So he's repeatedly comparing this movie to being forced to... Uh, 
suck a dick. And this <laughs> is the Jersey Girl? This is Casey Affleck reviewing Jersey Girl. In a personal email to Kevin? A personal email to Kevin. Good and Lord. I mean it. What the fuck? I have become so positive. I like everything. I'm not discerning enough. I eat it all up and love it. But with the cock called Jersey Girl in my mouth, I finally found something I am fairly certain I do not like and feel comfortable saying will be distasteful to most everyone. Just kidding. I loved it. I really, really did. I thought it was great. It is so moving. It reminded... (laughs) What the fuck? It is so... It is so moving. It reminded me of how powerful movies can be. Everyone I spoke to afterward loved it too. More telling though was the stream of puffy red eyes coming down the stairs and staggering to their cars looking very shaken. One day I hope to be in a movie that makes Chris Moore blubber the way yours did. Good lord. This goes on so long. I don't, there's so much more of this. Uh, He negs uh, all the actors a little here. Unfortunately, Ben was weak, and Matt, except for his horsey teeth, had no presence at all. Almost as if he was on the screen, but but his soul had abandoned him, leaving his teeth and hair and shirt to carry on. Liv also had a horse-like quality. But they couldn't ruin it. None could stop. There's this is full of typos, by the way. It's why I'm getting tripped up. None could stop the constant ascension of the film from the first scene to the heart wrenching last. The movie sucks you in and seems to get better and better with each passing moment. It was like watching time lapse photography of a rose open. The movie itself, its style, seemed to mature with the characters, the storytelling, the photography, the acting, and on and on. All grew exponentially sophisticated until in the end the filmmaking seemed to have evolved as much as ollie and the depth of his love and loss were expressed deftly and with wonderful tenderness the final sequence is magnificent heartbreaking and inspiring okay i'm about halfway through this thing now what the (laughs) fuck is this this rules it's interesting that casey used this very potent dick sucking metaphor for the joke part of his review (laughs) and then proceeds to just completely verbally suck kevin's dick nonstop. for like this is like one of the coolest ways goes on and on one of the coolest ways to compliment a movie is to just like very accurately shit on it and then be like just kidding this insane hyperbolic praise it's so the final sequence is magnificent heartbreaking and inspiring what are you talking about man so the only thing i can imagine that makes this make sense is casey affleck saw it wrote up this draft email then like left and then somebody else came to the computer was like casey we can't let you do this homie finished the email sent it along no no I, Maybe a publicist. Kevin Smith has talked about how he and Ben joke around a lot. They have this sick sense of humor. And, you know, I guess Casey is just one of the boys, you know? He was uh, taking the yeah. piss out of him a little bit. Casey Affleck, if you want to come on the pod. N- no. <laughs> just kidding. You're canceled. You can't come. On. Uh, I, yeah, I'm pretty sure he's canceled. Ben, you're allowed know. to come on the pod. Not Matt Damon. Of course Ben is allowed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we got him! <laughs> That's not to say the beginning was bad. In fact, the beginning elegantly followed the oldest storytelling formula in the Western world. 
As Ollie asked for par the party's attention, Homer began with the induction of the muse, subconsciously, if not consciously, preparing its audience for an epic tale of a man faced with almost insurmountable obstacles, unconquerable foes, and unbearable woes, and, and ending with a homecoming. And so Ollie's smarmy glibness as smarmy... Uh, smarmy glibness and the general silliness at the Christmas party is viewed not as smarmy glib and silly movie making, but as tragically distant starting place for a man who will have to come a very long way before he arrives, making the arrival so much more satisfying. This just this just goes on and on, man. <laughs> oh. I, I mean, he's correct that Kevin is just like copying very basic story formulas for this. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, like there's even, there is definitely like even like a hero's journey element to the film as lame as that sounds, but that's just because Kevin seems to be writing this based off of the screenwriting books that he purchased. God, I just can't believe <laughs> having this kind of reaction to Jersey. Girl. I, it, it, it's an insane email to send. It is an insane like, email. It sounds drug-fueled for sure. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Probably coked out. There's yeah, no like, way you can is... write that sober. No way. This this is the kind of movie that even if you were Kevin's friend, and even if you didn't hate it, you would still just kind of be like, hey, yeah, no, I thought it was good. No, it was pretty good, actually. Yeah. No. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Okay. Um. I'll just I'll just skip to the end uh, of this because there's just too much to read. In short, it's genius, and I didn't even mention the fantastic four performances. I sort of dread the ninety minutes of heartache, but I can't wait to see it again. <laughs> Until then, I remain your fan, Casey. Jesus Christ! I, Good Lord! Just it's in, insane. It's. <laughs> oh. All right. <laughs> That was. Yeah, let's. <laughs> we need to talk about Kevin. What, what's next week? I think Clerks Two is the next movie. Actually, mm, okay. Not excited. A as I said, you guys are gonna like Clerks Two. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm confident that you that you'll like it. That's good. I'm excited. <laughs> if you do want to see a film which is like uh, Duchamp's urinal or whatever, the thing that Casey was <laughs> describing in the first section. Um, I recommend Freddy Got Fingered, which I talk about in uh, a new video that's up on my channel about my favorite Razzie films. So you can check that out if, if you want to. Oh, right. Yeah. Everybody go watch that. Yeah. That's so funny that uh, Tom Green on his first try made a better movie than Kevin Smith could ever <laughs> possibly hope to make. <laughs> just, just, it's, I've never it's seen it. great. It's oh, you gotta see it. It's so good. It's the kind of movie that Kevin Smith could only dream about making. And Tom <laughs> Green, d he wrote and directed it all by himself. He'd never made a movie before. <laughs> so huh. so much better than this horse shit. Uh, yeah, go check out Rose's video. Uh, check us out on Twitter at talking underscore Kevin. Uh, and hey. Why don't you go rate us five stars on on uh, iTunes yeah. if you like the podcast? And if you want, you can rate us five stars and like Casey Affleck just fucking berate us the whole time too. <laughs> Please don't uh, rate us less than five stars though. If you don't like the podcast, just don't rate it at all. Okay. I I'm glad we 
finally got the evidence to cancel Casey Affleck once and for all. Yeah, yeah. This is what we needed. He'd never done anything wrong that I was aware of until I saw this, so I guess he's not a super great guy. (laughs) (laughs) All right, bye, everybody. Bye. Have a good one. Bye. Kids all across the land. There's no need to argue. Parents just don't understand.